If you're uncomfortable about asking questions, say you are uncomfortable about asking questions and then ask anyway. It's easy to tell when a question is coming from a good place. Then listen some more. To Amanda Ngozi Adichie, Americana. Welcome to Her Own Words, a Dear Damsels podcast. We're Abby and Bridie, the team behind Dear Damsels. And this podcast is part of our overall mission to provide a platform for women's voices, which is what we've been doing online and in print for the past four years. We want to share the stories of women in their own words. In this episode, we'll take you through our most recent theme on the site, Nature. We're also going to highlight some platforms who are amplifying LGBTQ plus voices in light of Pride Month and discuss black voices and racism in publishing and literature. Abby opened the episode with a quote by Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie. Why'd you pick this one, Abs? Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie is the author of Americana, Half of the Yellow Sun, and We Should All Be Feminists, to name but a few. Uh, the quote I read was taken from Americana, in which the protagonist, Ifemelu, starts a blog about race in America from her perspective as a Nigerian immigrant. Something we're going to be talking about later in the podcast is the conversations about racism in publishing and literature recently prompted by the Black Lives Matter protests that have been going on around the world in response to George Floyd's death. I chose the quote that I did because for me it highlights an important part of the conversations being had. It speaks to the fact that white people need to educate ourselves, which just can't happen from a place of comfort. Uh, So we need to get uncomfortable and ask those questions of ourselves and the communities and the organizations that we're part of and importantly listen to the answers that have already been provided yeah thinking about that like education side that you're just talking about there's been so much shared on social media recently and i know for the both of us it's been generally such a useful place for us to find resources and share like what we've been learning what we've been reading what we've been donating to we've, we've been reposting these on our social media stuff like reading this and places to donate and organizations to get behind have been really helpful during this time and helping us to feel active in our support against racism yeah and actually something i've been watching is chimamanda's recent readings of americana which she's been doing via her instagram page um which i just brilliant really really great to listen to but also felt like a reminder about how fiction can sometimes be as useful and helpful um, and illuminating as non-fiction which is something I think Bernadine Evaristo has actually been talking a lot about recently through her channels too. We're both also actually reading Half of a Yellow Sun at the moment for the book club we're both part of Um, and I'm well I'm not halfway through. I was going to say I'm halfway through. <laughs> I'm a good quarter of the way through. Um, always behind on my reading uh, in a very classic way. Um, but yeah, just like loving every second of that. I'm fitting it in like around breakfast and lunch and every spare second. Um, how am I behind on my reading when it, we're still in lockdown? I don't know. <laughs> but how are you getting on with it, Bray? Um, I finished it oh, like a week or two ago. And that's very classic Bridie as well. Um, But also, I think I would discuss off air with Abby, but I had a bibliotherapy session given to me as a birthday present, uh, my birthday back in April. So I have loads of books from that that I need to read. So I just keep getting more and more books. It was really important to me to when it was a book club, it had a finite deadline. So that kind of helped me be like, I have to read it by now. 
Um, but I'd never read any of her work before, apart from Why Would She'll Be Feminist? Like, I've never read any fiction by her. And it's beautiful. Like, it's so transportive into such, a, like, a world that I just am unfamiliar with and has such a great sense of place. So I found it quite nice for lockdown reading, because I imagined that I was in, like, Nigeria and not mm. sitting in South London in the rain. So I've really, really enjoyed it. Oh, yeah, I'm loving it too. I'm really looking forward to chatting about it on Sunday. Uh-huh. Yeah, you have like two days abs <laughs> to get towards like halfway. So we'll see how you do. We'll see how you do. We're kicking off the podcast with our section recently on Dear Damsels, which is when we catch up with our most recent theme and the pieces that we've been sharing online this month. For April and May, our theme was nature. And I think our theme letter really encapsulates the kind of things that we were looking for with this theme. Whether it's gazing to the great outdoors or reconnecting with yourself, it's doing what feels good, what feels natural. You step outside and feel it in your bones and your breath, exploring your surroundings and using your body as nature intended. Obviously, with this theme, we've got a lot of pieces about being in nature, about your natural state of self, about body, about learned behaviour. It was a really diverse theme, as it always is on our site. But we're just going to hone in on a couple of themes that really stood out to us and some pieces that really resonated for us. So the first kind of theme is that one I just spoke about, which is nature as landscape and as greenery, as being outdoors, experiencing the elements and sort of returning to a state of being that you're not, ne- that you're not necessarily generally in. A poem that we loved um, was States by Magda Naroko Weeks, which is actually two poems, so <laughs> excuse me for that. But these poems were based on two different locations in the US and they sort of define themselves in their contrast to one another. And we really enjoyed how they came together to create one atmosphere mood. Magga writes beautifully about how the internal and emotive self impacts how you view what is around you, which I'm definitely feeling in lockdown, you know, my internal self and emotive self. Every day, how I feel about being in lockdown and in my house changes depending on how I'm feeling. And she really brings that forward in a beautifully poetic way. Of the two, actually, Broad Island made a really big impression with our community. And we think it's because the emotion of the poem resonates quite a lot, just by coincidence, with the lockdown and the pandemic and reminding us about sort of the the presidents of time. Um, I'm going to read the whole poem because it's quite short, just so you can understand why it might be quite important to what's currently happening in our world. This is going to be one of those years that adds a ring to your core, cuts you open and see what you've grown through. Pavement cracks, brittle walls, you have moved stone, broken bridges, mended wounds, you have stretched. Became exhausted and kept going still, shake the pavement, change the river's course, tear down just to build again. You are new shoots, old roots and darling, you need time. So there's lots of tree and plant imagery and talks about preserving and growing through rough obstacles. And I think that line, one of those years that adds a ring to your core, is that not 2020? Yeah, God, it so is. It's just, yeah, I feel like many people will have a visceral reaction to that. It's a really beautiful way of putting it. And I love that poem. Yeah, I think also the fact that it ends on all you need is time. Like, I know all we have is time at the moment, but you will get through this. We just need time and you will keep growing and there'll be new shoots and It'll be okay. So that really, really resonated with our audience quite a lot. I think we shared it on Instagram and it's a beautiful, beautiful set of poems you should definitely read. Yeah, I loved it. New shoots, not roots. So lovely. Another piece from nature that I really loved that also really drew on a really vivid kind of landscape is Clusters by Nora Therkel. 
and this is a fiction piece, a short story, and it's kind of one of those short stories that feels like it's seared into my memory in terms of its, for want of a better word, vibe. <laughs> um, so it basically tells the story of a young woman across two separate spheres of her life. In one, she's a scientist and she, uh, I, I would assume a biologist working and studying fungi and in particular the longest, uh, the largest living fungus in the world, which is something I've read up a lot on and is really interesting. Go, go Google largest living fungus in the world. Um, so you get these kind of descriptions of this really almost like pernicious spreading growth underground um, in that sphere of her life. And then in the other part of the narrative, it's about the fact she's just moved into this brand new, new build, like pristine, still got the plastic on the, on the surfaces. And it's so sterile in contrast. And throughout the story, the kind of natural world starts to seep into the, the new build, her new shiny flat. And um, it's just a really interesting way of exploring the balance between the man-made and the natural worlds and it ends um it ends with the line they won't be kept out forever when she spots this like uh she watched she spot a cobweb in the corner of this pristine flat um so it's just a really haunting and kind of unsettling story that i just it feels like i can see it in my mind and i'd really yeah recommend reading it um yeah. yeah, definitely. Like when you, you definitely stuck in my mind, it's such an original piece and it has the theme is quite universal, I think, sort of about, yeah, like the spreading of fungus and the like man made structures and those imageries. As we're going to read late, we're going to hear later from another one of our writers, like that definitely came up in the theme. But the way that she's approached it is so unique. I've been doing a writing course uh, while I've been in lockdown. It was gifted by Abby, my dear friend. Uh, it's a Write Like a Girl course that you can do for, for book's sake that I know a lot of our dear damsels community have done. It's absolutely brilliant. I'm loving it. I'm now doing the second part of the course because I've done so much. But the reason I'm saying this is that I've been studying and learning a lot about short story structure. So when I look back at this piece, I had this podcast, it was just incredible how she's managed to weave these themes together in such a short amount of time and make such an impact. You sort of talk about the one main desire, like the main desire of your character and how you can relate everything back to that. And I think Nora does that brilliantly in this piece. Like you get such a strong sense of this woman's way she looks at the world and how that impacts every part of her life. It's brilliant. I absolutely love it. Yeah. No, it is beautiful. And I'm glad you're enjoying the Right Like a Girl course. <laughs> Another piece I wanted to mention is A Weekend in Pitlockery by Louise Mastravic. Uh, and this is, I mean, a poem that I just found extremely comforting in, uh, as I think I would have anyway, but in the context of lockdown, it is yeah, just lovely. It's about a weekend break in Scotland and it's just about the joy of like a blustery weekend away getting sort of outside your comfort zone and outside of your sort of normal surroundings like you were saying at the beginning right kind of escaping to the natural world we're going to insert a recording of Louise reading the entire poem because it's just so beautiful so I'll let Louise take it away a weekend in Pitlockery North of the border smells like damp jackets and we are at the mercy of a dice roll, Loki's fancy. 
The wind slashes through clothes, mocks us for trying like a punch to the lungs, reminds us of our place, hits the back of the throat, clears it of soot, voices as crystalline as the truth of it, breath at 26,000 steps. The day smiles, edge to edge, rainbow wide at our inexperience, this is no place for Google Maps, shows us a sunny spell, there is no space for complacence. Pines that only traffic, hold our hands on the descent. How something so tall can remain present as the wind bullies is nature's truth. Silence punctuated by creaks that only protest. We join in. We understand. Strangers smile as they pass. Sing sentences as if we exist, which would be weird if we weren't lost and in need of guidance. Go through the gate near the church spire. Even dogs say hello with paws that muddy a straight out of hackney fur coat. We become part of something. Their voices are music, old as the hills, warm as a hug of Cullen skink after a highland walk, a welcoming chorus. Come back again, I, but not in that coat. So another theme that came up in, well, of all the lots of stuff being discussed, obviously, but one main theme that we kept seeing repeated in some of our pieces was the idea of nature as memory and identity sort of the moments and places and people that influence you, you know, that nature and nurture type divide and how it becomes a part of who you are and how that impacts the way that you choose to live your life. A piece that does this really well is City Girl by Nadia Henderson. When I read this essay, I just felt, I felt it in my heart. Like I really, really felt all of the feelings and it felt like she was speaking for me about how I feel at being a city girl. In the piece she discusses how much of her identity is tied to the place that she lives in and as she prepares to leave London, leave the city for a completely different life in Sweden, she talks about how moving feels like a return to nature and how in the same way in clusters how nature starts to move in and like approach upon her life still in the city sort of as she's preparing to go. It plays out by weaving into the daily observations that Nadia has and as she comes to accept a decision, we're with her as the reader experiencing the change in landscape and change in her mood too. Nadia has kindly recorded herself reading a passage from this essay um, and that encapsulates everything I just said much better than I ever could. People have called you a city girl and you've wondered what criteria have to be met in order to qualify as one. You suppose it requires a spiritual connection an affinity, a sense of ease and belonging in crowds, an innate ability to navigate the streets without hesitation or aid. You wonder, too, if it demands you see charm in all the things you've grown tired of, because you have grown tired of the city, of its noise, its perpetual light, its rising prices and social injustice. You and the city have branched out in opposite directions, split roots curving themselves towards different suns. Another piece I wanted to mention, which also takes a really specific place in, into its exploration, is To Be Reincarnated as an Alligator by Anna Dempsey. This is a personal essay and just a beautiful piece of writing. And like I say, a really specific place and part of nature. In this essay, Anna recalls an airboat trip she took to the Everglades in Florida, which was one of the last trips she ever took with her dad shortly before he died. And what they were doing during the trip was spotting alligators in the water. I loved it because there's this sort of surprising softness, the way that the alligators are shown, you know, this kind of fierce animal. But actually, there's a tour guide who has a favourite alligator that she sort of spots every every now and again and calls her girl, I think. So, yeah, just 
this wonderful softness to it. Looking back on having read it, I realised it's sort of something that it does really well is encapsulate how nature can be both really kind and really cruel at the same time, kind of both meaningful and meaningless, you know. But yeah, it's it's basically just incredibly emotive and powerful and uh, something that feels really personal to Anna. So I just feel yeah, really pleased that she shared with it with us and that we can share it with you guys. Um, and I'll read a line that I think shows how she uses this really specific idea of the alligators so well. Since he's died, almost everyone has said to me that they can't imagine what I'm going through. I wish I could snap my jaws around their words, around their pity, and drown the hurtful phrases the way an alligator does with its prey. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really beautiful. Um, definitely go give that a read. That brings us on to Dearest Damsels. This is the section of the podcast where we like to shine a spotlight on women who are running creative, inspiring projects. And this month we're talking to a lit mag that we're really big fans of. Clav Mag publishes an incredible range of creative writing from queer, trans and non-binary people. And it was set up by co-founders Gab and Frey, who created Clav Mag to fulfil their need to shout into the literary void and as a platform for other people who feel the same way. June is Pride Month, during which LGBTQ plus communities around the world will be celebrating, as well as remembering that the first Pride was a riot. Clavmag put it perfectly in a recent tweet. Pride was a riot. Pride is a protest. When you celebrate this month, you celebrate the people who fought against police brutality to give us our rights, led by Marsha P. Johnson, a black trans woman. Marsha P. Johnson, Stormay Deleveray, Sylvia Rivera. Remember their names. As a platform set up to champion the writing of others, we believe in the power of words, not only in terms of sharing stories and experiences, but also in the way that they empower the person who writes them. So we were really pleased to talk to Gavin Frey to find out more about the space they've created, how Clavmag was set up and everything else they've got coming up. Hi, I'm Gab and my pronouns are she slash her. Uh, I'm Freya and my pronouns are also she, her. And we are Clavmag. <laughs> Let's talk about Clavmag and how we came to be. So Clavmag has been a thing for about six months and we are an online literary magazine uh, that publishes writing by queer, trans and non-binary people. Yeah, and I think we were born out of uh, frustration from, like, as two writers when we were submitting our work, looking for places to submit our work. Um, there were very few queer-only spaces, especially in this country, so we just decided to launch one. Uh, and also, um, there were few accessible yeah. platforms for writers. Um, so that's something we prioritise, putting um, audio on our website and making it screen reader friendly. Um, and generally, like, yeah, make, doing as much as we can to, to make the website accessible. Yeah. So, Gab, what's next for Clav Mag? Uh, what's next for Clav Mag? So, at the moment, we're really putting our energy into... Um, black Lives Matter and using our platform and our privilege to amplify black voices and to raise uh, money for Black Lives Matter funds. Um, Freya can tell you a little bit more about that. Uh, yeah, so we've been doing editorial um, feedback in return for donations to a Black Lives Matter fund. A mm. screenshot, you send us a screenshot, we give you feedback. And obviously our feedback is highly valuable. Very valuable. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we've also compiled a white fragility reading list, which has lots of links, lots of resources. Me and Gab are also doing some of the 
reading some of the books from the reading list together, which is fun. But another one of our priorities is getting funding so that we can pay our writers and our yeah. contributors. We don't really know what that's going to look like, given the impending economic collapse, but <laughs> hopefully we can sort something out. But we'll, we'll try out that out of this. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a priority. Mm-hmm. What's the next question, Gab? The next question, Faye, is which of the pieces you've published have been your favourites and why? I think me and Gab agree. We do. Uh, on Lindsay McLeod being one of our favourites. Mm. They were one of the first people to submit to us. In fact, the first ever. The first ever, yeah. To submit to us when we began. And we published their poem from Depths We Wake, which we recommended you read, listen, mm, listen to. Because the their voice is so beautiful. They have a really beautiful Scottish voice. and It's just like a tiny drop of joy. Mm. You know, it's short but succinct. <laughs> just like Freya. <laughs> We also really love Sabah Chowdhury's piece, uh, A Time Machine. They were the first person we published. And it's just it's just a really moving piece of life writing about their father. It hits hard, but it hits good. <laughs> That's um, true. And I think it's something we both we read quite a lot. Yeah, definitely. If you were to offer advice to someone starting a similar creative project, what would it be and why? Um, I would say make sure you do anything creative and projecty. <laughs> With uh, with someone you you trust and you communicate very well with, I yeah. think part of the success of Cloud Magazine to me and Gab being really good at kind of prioritizing the workload, mm. um, we also, yeah, I mean, sharing the workload and yeah, communicating really well. Yeah, we have the advantage of living together, so yeah, a lot that of the time, helps. A lot of the time, we, yeah, we can we can fit each other in. But if you if you're not working with someone that you don't like, yeah, respect and like care about then it's just not that fun. No. We have a lot of fun. We have a lot of fun. Too you much You should hear fun. the outtakes for this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Me. Yeah. Um, I would also say, I think it's really important to have some experience or knowledge of social media. Because, mm. like, when I, I tried to start a magazine before Clab and it just didn't work because I didn't know how to go online. And, like, <laughs> now that I know how to do that, or, well, we know how to do that, mm. I think, like, we split up the social medias and we, we social. Yeah, mm. and it is something you know you can you can teach yourself. Yeah, social media kind of marketing and optimization and all that very boring <laughs> you know stuff. What that means. No, I don't. What I don't. But I imagine it's you know useful to know social media optimization. <laughs> yeah, no, like get online and that's it. Yeah. So to sign off. To sign off. Uh, our email address is info at clavmag dot com. Mm-hmm. You can find us on socials at clavmag, and our website is. Clavmag.com. <laughs> it's easy to remember. Yeah, it's not hard. We would love to hear from you. Our submissions are open until the end of this month, end of June, um, but they'll be open again in July or August. And we should probably emphasise that while we publish writing from queer, trans, and non-binary people, um, the writing we publish is for everyone. Because yeah. if you're not reading queer writing, you're not reading good writing. Oh, she said it. <laughs> Thanks so much to Gab and Frey. It's great to hear from another pair of LitMag co-founders and we will include links to their website and the social media in the show notes. So do go follow them there and catch up with all the brilliant writing they're publishing. Their submissions are also open until the 30th of June. So send them what you've got to say. It's time for Online Offline, which is where we talk about discussions that are happening in our communities on the internet and in real life. Last month, we spoke about finding comfort in creativity, but this month, we're sitting with our discomfort and planning to act on it, because it is impossible for us to discuss what is happening in our communities without talking about George Floyd, police brutality and racism. On the 20th of May 2020 in Minneapolis, George Floyd was killed by a white police officer, Derek Chauvin, who held his knee on Mr. Floyd's neck for nine minutes. This was caught on video by a young black woman nearby. 
the circulated video spurred anti-racist protests worldwide against police brutality and racism, and it's inspired discussions about systemic racism in society all around the world. We know that it might be easier to talk about and condemn racism in the US because it feels removed. But the UK is not innocent. Racism is here, it is experienced, it kills black women and men, and it is institutionalised in this country. Non-black people need to educate, speak up, proactively call out racism and do the work from the inside out. As two white women, we've been having these kinds of discussions a lot, um, both with each other and with our friends. And we've chosen to use this part of the podcast to take a look at the spaces that Dear Damsels specifically occupies, which is named the, the literary and the publishing industry. Earlier this week, Brenny Edo Lodge reached number one in the non-fiction paperback chart with Why I'm No Longer Talking to White People About Race, whilst Bernadine Everisto reached number one in the fiction paperback chart with Girl, Woman, Other. But what could and should have been a moment for celebration is subdued not only because of the wider context, but also because of the fact that they are the first and only black women to have ever held these spots in the charts. Previously, no black woman has ever been number one in the non-fiction paperback chart in the UK, and no woman of colour has ever been number one fiction paperback. As two people who have both worked in big publishing companies, I think we both agree that the fact this can now be pointed to as a very powerful and clear demonstration of the lack of people of colour's voices in commercial publishing will be a point to move forward from, but at the same time, it's just so horrific that this that this specific fact wasn't already known or at least wasn't widely talked about. Yeah. We, like the wider publishing industry and um, like Rennie herself has spoken about on her social media, are not surprised by the fact either. So on some level it was it was known and yet here we are. There's so much work that needs to be done and we wanted to highlight some of the publishers, initiatives and the books that are challenging these statistics and inciting change. Yeah, I mean, just to just add on to what Abby said, like we spoke to those of our friends who are still working in those industries and they were shocked, but again, not surprised because there's been so many conversations specifically in publishing and literature about diversity. I've attended diversity panels, I know Abby has as well, but it's important to recognize how these discussions need to be approached if people are putting on these panels and if they're not properly seeing the problem or they're not properly looking for solutions to systemic racism or they're asking the people of color to find the solutions then the panel then the discussion it serves no purpose we need to have action rather than discussion. I think that's a general theme that we're seeing in the things that we've been talking about online and people are reposting. Like the time for talking about it is gone. You need to make action. You need to put your money where your mouth is. You need to be voiced now. You can't just sit back and assume that your silence is okay. Your silence is complicit, which is a quote that I saw on billboards across the protests that I went to the other week. I think Rennie herself puts it really well in her original blog post that inspired her book. And um, we'll include a link in the show notes so you can read the whole thing. But there's a quote which I think encapsulates what we were just saying about action rather than discussion. I can no longer have this conversation because we're often coming at it from completely different planes. I can't have a conversation with them about the details of a problem if they don't even recognize that the problem exists. Worse still is that the white person who might be willing to entertain the possibility of said racism but still thinks that we can enter this conversation as equals. 
we don't. Something we wanted to do was um, shout out and highlight some of the people in the organisations who are actively addressing this inequality rather than just discussing it. One of the publishers that we wanted to talk about was Jacaranda Books, who recently ran a crowdfunder with Night Self Publishing for Inclusive Indies and raised over £170,000 recently. That crowdfunder is now closed, but one way you can support Jacaranda Books is obviously by finding out more about what they do and buying their books and something they specifically start uh, run is a program called 20 in 2020 uh, the aim of which is to publish 20 black authors in the year 2020 this is an initiative that was uh, put into place or launched in 2018 so i think it shows how lucky we are to, to have these independent publishers who are taking these initiatives and putting these plans into place and obviously this is something that we need to see from the wider publishing industry as well. Yeah, and talking about Jacaranda Books, um, we went to the launch of A Quick Ting on last year, which is a series of books they're publishing in October 2020, I think. I hope coronavirus hasn't ruined this. Um, you never know when we're talking about publishing projects anymore, but hopefully it should be publishing in October 2020. A Quick Ting on is a series of books about Black British history, and they're all written by young Black writers. It was organised by Magdalene Abraha through WhatsApp and she said in a Guardian feature about it, there's nothing like this out there, that's one of the reasons why I had to do it. I created this series to provide a space that can celebrate, pay homage and explore culture. It's about the everyday conversations that we have about art, music, hair, history, politics, food and so much more. So the series is going to document and present contemporary blackness and specifically contemporary British blackness in its own language and culture and it's a celebration of this culture and it's a much needed change of publishing there's gonna be books about Afrobeats, books about bamboo earrings one of my friends Zainab Kraswansi writing about Africa I've an extract from it um, on the zoom call the other week and it's really good and I can't wait to hear the whole thing I think something like this is such dynamic change it's presenting a viewpoint that we haven't seen before in publishing and proving that there's an audience for it and also sort of giving credit to young writers at the same time it's a brilliant initiative and yeah can't wait to read the whole thing i'm really excited for that as well and on the subject of uh young and emerging writers we wanted to mention a couple of organizations who are who are providing spaces for emerging black writers and writers of color one brilliant place is the organization rewrite it's a creative writing organization offering a whole bunch of things including writing courses which are currently online and are named tony zora and octavia and then they also offer editorial services they do run events when events will be back to normal and they've also recently launched a lit mag called rewrite reads they exist to rewrite the narrative of a publishing industry that is overwhelmingly white and you can support them by donating via their website and you can also sign up to their mailing list to find out more about everything they've got coming up. Something else that we wanted to mention is Literary Natives, which we've recently discovered. It's a platform for writers of colour in London and beyond. They also produce events and workshops for writers of colour and they are connecting aspiring writers to the publishing industry, which is a key area that needs to be developed. They've developed an intricate network of writers from every corner of the industry, including fiction, poetry, screenwriting, spoken word and theatre. And it, so it's great to see that they are operating in all corners of the creative writing world. Um, they also have a current opportunities page, which is a really great place to keep your eye out for 
writing opportunities I think mostly I think they focus on paid writing opportunities for writers of colour yeah I think we also just want to say that the as people who run uh organization to encourage writing we feel really passionately about this course so if you know anyone if you know any platform that is doing something similar to what we do but specifically for people of color we would love to amplify them and shout them out and help them any way we can so please do let us know going back to the statistic that we shared at the beginning of this discussion i don't really want to leave it in like doom and gloom because change is a good thing the statistic is terrifying and really really damning but it's also showing that there's a need and a drive for these voices and there's certain ways that we can make sure that they continue to be amplified, especially at this massive cultural moment and hopefully ongoing um, in the publishing industry. Dialogue Books publisher Charmaine Lovegrove has started an initiative to make that history happen. So she's been tweeting about it and putting it on her Instagram. But her idea is that by buying specifically these four books, she'll be able to make four black women writers go to number one in the Sunday Times bestseller list. I think. I don't know, Abby, how it works. Is it next week or this week? It should be uh, it should be next week. You have to buy them before Tuesday. I think it will be over the next two weeks will be the main drive. Basically, whether you're listening to it, please buy these books anyway, because it will contribute. As someone who used to spend ages putting the Sunday Times bestseller list into a PDF with all the covers on it, I know they barely ever change. So you have ages <laughs> to do this, basically. Um, so these books, alongside Rennie's and Bernadine's, are I'm Not Your Baby Mother by Candice Braithwaite and The Vanishing Half by Britt Bennett. And me and Abby spent about 10 minutes before recording saying how much you wanted to read. We're definitely going to be contributing to this. I think it's a brilliant way to make sure there's representation on something that is usually overwhelmingly white. And if you can afford to at this moment in time, obviously pandemic lockdown, we'd really say support this initiative and buy these books or make sure there's links to independent bookshops so you can buy these books at. And something else you could also do is join a group, friend group of four people, buy one each and then... Join the book club. Join the South London book club that we have like 25 people in there. I have no idea how we're going to do that Zoom tomorrow. Maybe we should suggest one of these as our next book, Abby. Maybe that will mean that we can all buy it and get it to the bestseller list. That's true. And that would totally justify buying a Spenny Harback. So should we dive into what you need to know? Last month, we announced that we had opened submissions for our next paperback publication. Next year, we will be publishing our second themed collection of fiction, nonfiction and poetry. And this time we want your words about food. We know that whole stories are made across the table. And because we love reading what women have to say about food, we want to create a collection that brings these stories together in one place. Food is a foundation of our routine, with meals hooked up to the hours of each day, taking from breakfast to lunch to dinner, snack times, coffee breaks, emergency meal deals fitted in between, or my favourite, emergency cake at 3pm during lockdown. But it's more than that too, it's how we understand ourselves, what stings our tongues and makes us salivate for more. Everyone's relationship to food is different and we want to hear about them all. So you have until Friday the 3rd of July to send us your words. Our submission guidelines for this publication can be found on our website. We'll leave a link to them in our show notes. And if you're thinking of sending something, just do it. Just please do it. This is such a time to encourage creativity in lockdown. And we'd love to read anything you have to say. We cannot wait to hear from you. Thank you for listening to Her Own Words. You can read all of the pieces that we've mentioned on our website, deardamsels.com. And you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook 
at Dear Damsels. In the next episode of this podcast, we're going to be discussing some of our favourite pieces on the theme of connection. That theme is currently live on our website, so keep following us there for some brilliant writing. If you enjoy this podcast, we'd love you to share it far and wide and perhaps even subscribe with you and rate it. But that's it for now. Thank you so much for listening. Bye, Ab. Bye, Bri.